Welcome to episode six of the Paperclip podcast. I am your host, Brett Stone, presented by BSDA. And whether you're a regular listener or a new listener of the show, thank you and uh, know that you are appreciated. So today on the show, um, we're going to cover Facebook events and um, why they're so important not only right now in 2018, but also how, um, how important they'll be next year as well. And obviously how you can use them to engage your audience and kind of build your audience as well, um, organically. So without having to pay, which is always a good thing. And our very special guest today is Marshall Hughes, who is one of the guys from Parcel. Say hello, Marsh. Uh, hello, everyone. <laughs> and um, we'll wrap things up with a uh, quote of the show. So without any further ado, we'll start with um, some info around Facebook events. So Facebook events is something that I'm really high on um, going back to the end of last year um, and continue to be this year because I just think there's so much opportunity there. Um, so most people typically think of events for, um, for festivals or for, for large sort of uh, corporate functions or big speaking events, those kind of things when you get like an international speaker, people kind of typically think of events like that. Um, so it's really important to kind of um, to get past that mentality and think about how, how useful Facebook events are for something that's really local, really small um, and, and really helpful for small businesses. So to, to give you some examples for what I mean is that, you know, when you go to Facebook, there's an event section and if you click on that section, you'll see lots of events that are kind of coming up in your area, maybe even things that you've said that you're interested in or going to, or you might've purchased a ticket for. Um, and um, they've also got um, a specific app, which I'll talk a little bit about later on as well, um, dedicated to events. So if you sell products or services, um, you can launch a new product or service with an event. Um, if you're a food or beverage business, so you might be a restaurant or a bar or maybe a cupcake store, you can always announce a new menu using an event um, and sort of tease it out over a period of time as well. So once you post your event, um, between when you post it and when the event happens, there's a lot of time and people can obviously lose interest in that time. So it's really important to keep that audience engaged and so posting in the event you know, once or twice a week leading up to it will keep people interested and maybe even generate some more organic reach for the event too. Um, if you share offers from Facebook, so if you're a regular user of Facebook, you'd know on your page, you will have a, typically there's, there's an option to create an offer, which gives people a discount or some sort of promotional code that they can use online or even in a uh, bricks and mortar retail store. And um, so you can, you can promote the launch of that new offer. So you could have an event, you could create an offer that starts on a specific day, and then you can create a Facebook event for that day so that you can promote the fact that there's a new offer coming and get people excited about it. Build a little bit of anticipation. Um, if you run a business that features at markets, so you know you might sell you know, things at markets on weekends or um, once a month at, at different markets and you sort of travel around a little bit. Um, events are really great for telling people where you'll be next. And often the event um, managers will have a, a Facebook event set up already for that, um, that particular market. And it's great to be able to, to leverage their audience with yours as well. And so you can you could um, be a host or a co-host of that. And I'll talk a little bit about that more in a second. And if you sell real estate, for example, so this one's a little bit like left of center compared to all the others, you can always add your open houses as events on Facebook and drive more visitors to them that way. So you could you know, you potentially build your, your audience not only by using the traditional sort of email marketing that a lot of agencies use, um, but um, you could also put those listings on Facebook and really drive that organic reach of people that might know someone that's looking for a house in that area, or maybe they know the agent that's selling it and want to push it a little bit more to a friend or a family member that's looking for a house. There's, there's lots of ways you can reach people as a real estate agent using that option that um, you know traditional type marketing like email just doesn't do. So you can also sell tickets. 
So if you um, have an event that you need to sell tickets for, um, there's ticketing integration with services like Eventbrite and Try Booking, um, amongst others. There's lots of options there, so you just sort of choose your favourite ticketing platform and go from there. Um, and as I said before, co-host. So co-host is actually really, really, really important. If you get the opportunity, absolutely take it. Because the, the benefit of having a co-host for your event is not only do you get your audience to see it, but once they accept a co-host invite or you accept their invite to be a co-host, you're now sharing or leveraging each other's audiences to see that. So, you know, if you, if you had a market store coming up and you might only have 100 followers on your Facebook page, but that market that's running the event has, you know, a thousand followers or 5,000 followers. And you can ask them if you can be a co-host of that event so that it appears on your page. They get your hundred, which they'll appreciate because it might be a handful of people that they've never seen before. And you'll obviously get the benefit of that larger audience being exposed to you as well um, by being listed on the event. So it's a really great way. It's free. Everybody kind of benefits. Um, there's no losers with that, which is great. And the, the last thing I want to talk about with Facebook events specifically is the local app. So you can download an app and it's called Local. And this particular app is made by Facebook and it's dedicated to um, sharing events that are coming up in your area. And it's kind of like a combination. It's a bit of a hybrid between like an event calendar and um, like Yelp. I guess for an example, because you can um, you can see like restaurants and cafes and big events that are coming up in your area, um, but you can also see things that you've previously said that you're interested in or that your friends might be going to. So it's a really good tool for your business um, and what you do to be able to reach more people because when you start telling friends and family about, oh, you know, there's this cool app called Local, um, they actually start using the app and they'll find things that are happening in their area. I had somebody who attended one of my workshops recently, uh, as recently as two weeks ago, who said the way they found out about it was through the local app. So that's actually a really great um, testimonial there, I guess, to, to how useful it can be. And you just don't know. There's lots of different ways people can find you or what you do. And the most important thing is to try and be on as many of them as possible just to, to get that... Um, reach that you don't have to pay for and that's why it's so important so let me very gently segue from from that section of the show into our our guest and so I'll give an example where if for example you were running a last mile delivery service startup and you have an event to launch your app that also happens to coincide with a television appearance seen by millions of people, like our very special guest on today's show, Marshall Hughes, you would probably use an event on Facebook to, to help promote that, wouldn't you? Uh, thank you very much, Brett. And uh, hello, uh, viewers. Uh, very, very nice to be here. Thanks for having me along. Um, yes, after I, you advised me to <laughs> make it a Facebook event, which I had absolutely no idea existed, uh, okay. we did use that to help promote um, yeah, that was a, a really good opportunity. And yes, literally, we believe now millions of people have seen either the live broadcast on Channel 7 mm -hmm. or the video that we spammed out across Facebook. Mm -hmm. so, yes, that was quite successful. It was a good night. Awesome. And so maybe you can um, tell everybody what Parcel is and, and where the idea came from. Yeah, so my background is I worked in freight and logistics for 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, and in that time, there's obviously been an explosion of home deliveries driven by e-commerce and online sales. Um, and pretty much everyone listening will have a horror story about a delivery. It's something that we don't do very well as an industry. Mm -hmm. um, and the, so that people have a bad delivery experience, which then causes a whole bunch of problems for retailers. Mm -hmm. um, and the real killer problem right now is that 70% of online shopping carts go abandoned. Wow, that's um, a lot. It is a lot. It's a $2.4 trillion a year problem globally. Um, and it's not getting any better. That's a consistent study over the last five years. Right. Um, and when people are asked why they didn't buy, they often say that shipping was the problem. It's either too expensive or too slow, or they just don't like the options. Mm -hmm. So I was you know, working in freight and, and talking to my friends, as we do, mm -hmm. um, and I said, this is the, the true story, I said, at some stage in the future, you'll be wandering around a hardware store, your phone will ping and say, hey, Brett, we can see you're at the hardware store. 
Um, and Marshall, who lives next door to you, has just ordered a shuttle. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you deliver it on your way home, we'll pay you 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be brutally honest, I just assumed it would happen. It's mm-hmm. an obvious solution to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't. So a couple of years ago, I thought, well, if no one else is going to do it, then we might as well do it. Awesome. And here we are. Okay. And what excites you about Parcel? What excites me? So what excites me is the opportunity. I think there's a, a big... Um, problem now, uh, if you look and read any retail blogs or retail news, that local stores are struggling um, and they're being overpowered by these you know, international, well, the biggest company in the world at the moment is probably Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, who don't care about profit. They don't care about this sale. They care about getting you as a customer for the next five years. Yep. And local retail, who is a local employer mm-hmm. um, and has a local presence and is part of a local ecosystem, is sort of getting bypassed by that mm-hmm. and overwhelmed. And we see Parcel as an opportunity for local retailers. And this can be individual stores or chains mm-hmm. of retailers can leverage that unique, um, the unique, what is it, point about being close to their customers. Mm-hmm. So they can deliver, we can get something from a local shopping center because we can drive there and get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but online, they're, sort of, they're not leveraging that yet. So what excites me is that I think we can help retailers leverage that. Mm. Okay, and what do you think that would mean for the retailers? Well, we think that we can boost their online by 20%. Wow. Um, and in some cases, push them online. Um, mm-hmm. We've recently started doing some work in Mornington, which is in mm-hmm. regional Victoria, sort of fringe mm-hmm. suburb. Um, and Mornington is a place where it's just outside the metro area. Yep. And literally no one, apart from the pizza delivery place, mm-hmm. does on-demand delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking to the retailers there, we can give them um, an extra sales arm. Mm-hmm. Um, to that. So we can boost the sales with pretty much with no effort. We're a no cost service if you don't use us. Yep. So uh, we think we can make that work for them. Awesome. Awesome. And so you, you originally attended um, Founder Institute in the very early days of Parcel. So tell us what that was like and, and what, I guess, why you made the decision to join Founder Institute. Yeah, Founder Institute actually predates Parcel. Okay. So the really quick story is I've been working at my freight for 20 years mm-hmm. and I decided to leave and do something completely different. And I can't remember why I found Founder Institute and Founder Institute's pitch is that you can basically have a Silicon Valley style experience of going through, do you want to be a founder without having to go to California? Mm-hmm. So they run 200, they call them chapters around the world mm-hmm. and various semesters. And the idea is that basically you apply, you do a few tests and you go and spend 16 weeks of 50 hours a week basically saying, do I really want to do this or not? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was quite attractive to me because I didn't know whether I wanted to be a founder. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what startups were or what that meant. Yep. Um, and it was a pretty good opportunity to go through that. It was really, really hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the first things I made us do was validate the idea. So we literally had to call up potential customers pitch them the idea and say, would you buy this? Mm-hmm. You know, do you believe this pain? Would you do it? So that was, it was a good step. I've made some lifelong friends through that. And in fact, the name Parcel, which is P-A-S-S-E-L, mm-hmm. actually came from Saskia, who was one of my, she was in my cohort right, okay. for Founder Institute. Um, and Parcel, for those who don't know, is a collective noun for a group of people. <laughs> and it's also how Australians say Parcel. So <laughs> they, they, they fit quite well. Um, and then obviously uh, through the process, so you obviously then you start Parcel and you bring in a co-founder, Julian, um, on board. Why did you choose to bring in a co-founder into the business and what was the process for you for finding the right co-founder? Yeah, so it's a good question. So the, the why is a whole bunch of reasons. The first thing is that Parcel is really, really technically difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to sort of fast forward now, we're tracking 3,000 passes um, and it's generating 750,000 location events a day. So you've got a massive data challenge. There's a predictive algorithm that needs to be built so that we know where people are going to go. Um, I'm not a technical guy. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to anyone ever about startups, they always say you need a technical co-founder. Mm-hmm. Um, the horror stories about people who've tried to outsource their tech usually end up in a story that says I spent $150,000 and ended up with nothing. Mm, very true. Um, so... The, um, I guess the process of um, getting Julian was interesting because I had no idea what to look for in a co-founder except I needed an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friend, um, 
Ali from ZippyCrowd, zippycrowd.com.au. Um, she said, you know, you probably already know who your co-founder, you just don't know who that, the person is. You're not looking for the right skills. Mm-hmm. And in five minutes, she just spamming my link. Like we looked at my LinkedIn profile. She said, this is your guy. And so then finding co-founders, a bit like dating. We went on lunch and had a few coffees and had a conversation. And then, yeah, July 1, uh, 2017, he came on board full-time. Wow. Good. And so what was challenging about that? Um, so people who know, who've done this before, tell you that getting a co-founder is it's as an important decision about it as who you marry. Mm-hmm. And in fact, harder to get yourself out of. Um, <laughs> and... The reason, one of the reasons is you can't just decide to go your separate ways and separate. If you've got a co-founder and they've got equity, uh, they've got IP, mm-hmm. uh, intellectual property, um, and you have a falling out, it can destroy a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's no different. That's been business for you know thousands of years. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. So it's a really careful process. You know, do your values align? Um, has he drunk enough of the Kool Aid to realise that this is the absolute best thing? Mm-hmm. Um, because startups pay really, really poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife calls me a volunteer. <laughs> um, I pay really poorly. It's an all or nothing bet. So it's either this or it's you know, back to the coalface. And how did you know that, that Julian was the one? Yeah, it's, it is, it, it's, we joke about it, but it's basically like being married and you basically just know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, had the conversations, was he... he he saw where Parcel could go. Mm-hmm. So retail for us is the low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Parcel as a anyone-to-anyone service. Mm-hmm. So we could link any two phones in the world, know what people want, and get those two things done. So yep. you know, potentially it could be a massage, or it could be coffee, yep. or it could be I left my wallet at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sort of saw the potential in that. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has a freight background. So mm-hmm. we work together at my freight. So has a bit of what they call domain experience. Yeah. Um, he's also in his 40s. He's got a couple of kids. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to be a high-rise window cleaner. So one of the guys who hang off the buildings and wash windows. So he understands risk. He's, yeah, he understands <laughs> risk. So, it, look, he's just, he's the right person. And look, that's not to say someone else may not have been the right person, mm-hmm. but I don't regret the decision at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to say that the best thing that's happened to Parcel is him coming on board. That's a glowing review. I'm sure Julie would be very happy to hear that. He will be. He'll probably listen to this at some stage. <laughs> and so up until now, what do you think is the, the single greatest challenge you've faced and how did you overcome it? Uh, the single greatest challenge uh, would be the conservatism in Australian retail. Okay. So um, when I talk to people globally about this, where they felt the pain of Amazon over an extended period and understand that they need to be battling really, really hard in the omni-channel space. Mm-hmm. Omni-channel, I don't mean to use a buzzword, for retail means you have a physical store and an online store. Mm-hmm. But for the customer experience, it's one relationship. That's yes. an omni-channel relationship. Um, in Australia, where they've been protected mm-hmm. from global players because it's such a small market, mm-hmm. um, they haven't felt the pain um, and are only now just starting to feed it. So the take-up's been a bit slower than what I would have preferred. I literally have emails from people saying, I'm going to sit on the fence until I see how this plays out. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I talk to people in the US and Europe in particular, they're like, when are you coming? Wow, okay. It's so, a very different mentality, isn't it? It is a different mentality. Um, but it th- things are changing. And there's individuals, obviously, within retail. We've got... Uh, 10 customers were already launched. We've got another eight in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if we've lacked. It's just at the big end of town, which are the big retailers I want. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone from Rebel Sport, JB Hi-Fi <laughs> uh, is listening, they're the sort of customers we want. Um, they'll get there. It's just a matter of time. Maya probably needs some help at the moment. <laughs> yeah, look, Maya, have, they've gone through a massive amount of cultural change at Maya. And yep. It's a really difficult um, challenge. There's a, there's a question in retail... Um, for customer engagement, no different to what you do with Facebook, mm-hmm. is people have to know what the story is. They have to know why. Mm-hmm. So why do I shop at a particular store? Mm-hmm. And if people don't know why they go there, and oftentimes the retailer doesn't know why people go there, yep. I think that makes them very hard. Mm-hmm. But there's some customers have beautiful brand awareness. They know exactly what they're about. And Pure mm-hmm. Baby, who was our first multi-site customer, mm-hmm. they know that mums don't get out of the house because they can't. And they know that grandparents like to buy expensive presents. Mm. And so we were a perfect solution for them. So they really knew their customer well. That's awesome. And 
What's the best advice that you've been given? Um, the best advice I've been given was from a guy called Adrian Stone, who is a bit of a startup personality. Yeah. And he said, ignore half the advice you are given. That's true. Including that piece of advice. <laughs> um, right. Basically, what he was saying is you need to, when people give advice, they give it from their heart. They, mm. they want to do well. But you need to know why, you need to know their why. Yes. What's their experience? Why are they saying these things? Mm. Um, and that was a re- that was, I've always bear that in mind because people give advice and sometimes advice can be criticism. Yes. Um, but you've got to remember that people have their own sort of circumstances from which they are projecting that. That's right. Yeah, they've got their own fears and their own worries. And often, especially in startup world, um, people who don't have a startup will never really, I believe anyway, they will never really understand what the thought process is like or what you're feeling or what you're going through and how it's like a 24-7 thing. Yeah. Like a lot of people that have a job, they'll Correct. go to the job and they come, they leave at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock and they go home and they never have to think about that job again until the next day. And I think the big difference between that and somebody that's a, a startup is that you never leave. You can leave, you might have, like you, for example, we, we both share a co-working space here at the Frankston Foundry, and we can leave here, but what we do never leaves here. Like, it, it always follows us, you know, home, or follows us when we're out, or follows us when we're trying to do something that we don't want to be interrupted in, and we'll still, it'll still find us. And I think that's maybe um, the big difference and why that advice can sometimes be... Uh, a little bit hit and miss because they're such different worlds. Yeah, and I think that a lot of small business people feel the same way. So a lot of small business people mm. are, are 24-7 um, on the business and probably the difference between a startup and a small business person is that we're completely and totally unrealistic about our expectations about where we're going to go. <laughs> so a small business person will open a store and want to do $250,000, $300,000 in revenue a year and that's the projection for the business and mm. that'll be a successful business. And they're important businesses. Um, I've got teenage boys that work in small business. Mm. Um, and so, but they're obsessed. They never leave. Um, and their partners will tell you the same thing. And the start just no different from that. It's just, mm. it's just I, we're not going to stop. You know, our projection is, well, there's going to be 25 billion home deliveries in the US every year by 2025. And I want a significant piece of that. Mm. That's where we're going. But yeah, small business people and startups with the same sort of obsession. And the advice... Another problem in Australia, man, is there's a lot of single, there's a lot of people who have been successful once and now tout themselves as advisors and mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm the first person to tell you there's a lot of luck involved mm. in even in just surviving for 18 months, we've been lucky. Um, and there's a lot of people that luck and skill are not the same thing and they're not on the same line. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes luck does play a part in letting you optimize and uh, take advantage of skill. Hmm. I like that. And that might even be the answer to the next question, which is, you know, what's the best advice you can give our listeners? Yeah, I don't do advice because it's my first startup. Okay. Um, and I'm really, um, I think that's really keen. Um, everything that's worked or failed so far has only worked or failed for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, talk to me in 15 years when I've done this three times and I've been a serial success person, I might have an idea then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the best, the best... I don't know. Like, I think the reason we're still going is we haven't given up. Yeah. Um, but I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> so, we'll, know, we'll know soon. Well, we'll yeah, if I'm still around when this podcast goes to where, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so shifting gears for a minute and talking about um, advertising and marketing yeah, okay. in, in your business. Thinking back to the first time you actively seeked out passes, which are for the uninitiated are people that deliver the parcels. Um, what did you do to drum up interest? Yeah, that's a really good question because we had no idea why people would be passers. In yeah. fact, we didn't even know whether people would be passers. Okay. Um, so the, the fundamental question, a passer gets paid 10 bucks to deliver something on their way home. Mm-hmm. Um, now, fast forward 18 months, we know they will. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but when we were starting off, uh, our original plan, so um, Frankston has a decent-sized shopping centre, mm-hmm. um, and our original plan was to grab a couple of retailers in this shopping centre mm-hmm. and do deliveries from here, uh, which we still haven't done after 18 months. <laughs> so we um, decided that we thought it'd be really smart to do a, 
one of those little pop-up more like yep. stall things mm-hmm. and get some nice banners with saying make 10 bucks on your way home sign up here yep um and there was me and a, a guy called jared who helped me out mm-hmm. and we stood there for two days and 20 people signed up okay um which is looking back now is such a monumental waste of time and money that it's not funny mm-hmm. but we didn't know that yes <laughs> so now we know yes <laughs> and we haven't done it since Okay. We haven't repeated that mistake. Um, yeah, so that's what we did to drum up interest originally. But obviously, I did some really amateur hour Facebook stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly, early days is like friends and family. Yep. You know, calling them, emailing them, telling them about it at barbecues and birthday Perfect. parties. Yeah. Word, right. Trying to get word of mouth going. <laughs> and so uh, when somebody signs up to be a, a passer... How do you make them feel welcome or special when they're signing up for free? Yeah, not very well um, at that stage. <laughs> at this stage, when people sign up, which is a little bit of an arduous process, um, so people download the app, mm-hmm. then they register, then they have to answer some questions. Mm-hmm. The most important of which is how do you want to get your reward? Um, we this basically at this stage, they just get an email that says "Welcome to Parcel." Mm-hmm. Uh, we stoked you joined up. There's a nice little picture of me and Jules, mm-hmm. uh, and this is what to do next. Yep. Um, we Early days, I used to do a video every yep. couple of weeks, but the engagement was really, really low, so okay. I stopped. And now I know that was a mistake, and I probably should reboot that mm-hmm. um, because you know there was some engagement, so I needed to build on that. Hmm. Um, so we don't do enough. Um, we at this stage we cannot communicate to people through the app, mm-hmm. which is ideal. That's what we want to do. Yep. But we had to get the app out in time for the Channel Seven thing, <laughs> and right. now we've got customers, so it's a bit of a different thing. So I don't think they feel unwelcome. I don't think they feel loved at this stage, which we need to fix. Oh, we, we encourage them all to follow us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We're pretty active on the Facebook page. Yep. Um, talk about things that are going on. Um, we just, for example, our tagline used to be crowdsource deliveries. Yes. Uh, crowdsource is industry jargon, and we didn't realize that mm-hmm. no one knew what it meant. Okay. So people either didn't know what it meant or they thought it meant that we were like Uber. Mm. Um, which is that was a really bad thing for us so we actually used Facebook to say what do you think we do to 1500 followers or something on Facebook Mm -hmm. so what do you think we do and then they came back and told us what they think we did and then we actually basically crowdsourced the tagline (laughs) Um, so there's a bit of engagement we think and that got um, when you look at the numbers that's the most engaging content we've done is when we said to our fans can you help us Mm -hmm. can you be part of our process uh, which was good because we got a better result, I think, by asking them yep. and also made them feel part of it. So maybe they felt welcome through that in a long answer to your question. Yeah, and I actually think, um, for obviously, everybody can't see us here, but Marshall would have been able to see me with a knowing smile, as he said, some of the best engagement or the best engagement that he's got was from asking that question of the, the audience. And that I think that goes back to something that I talk about a lot, which is what I call the Wizard of Oz effect, which is when you let people behind the curtain and they can see what's going on, the response that you get from them is always greater than if you just post a a photo or a video of something else happening. People will still like that, but the reason that the Kardashians are up to like their 11th or 14th season or whatever it is, is because we love seeing what what is behind the curtain or at least what we're we're shown to be believed is behind the curtain so i think um allowing people to come behind the curtain with you and help make that decision was a really powerful thing for your audience and they responded as such okay that's cool well we might do that again you should definitely do it again um so how do social media services and obviously you talked a little bit about this then um, but how do social media services such as Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, etc., assist with your growth and the awareness of Parcel? Uh, they assist by pretty much being the only channel we have um, that has any traction whatsoever. So we are a two-sided market. So we need senders, so retailers, mm-hmm. and that's where I'm hyperactive on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, my entire profile on LinkedIn is built around retail home delivery services. In fact, that's my URL on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, so, and I'm constantly active on there posting that news in retail, what we're doing, mm-hmm. what other people are doing, what the challenges are, mm-hmm. um, pot-shotting Uber for careers companies wherever I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit of controversy doesn't hurt, yep. hurt on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, you generate discussion. So that's one side of it. So that's been massively active. And we literally got our first two customers from LinkedIn. 
And when it comes to LinkedIn, just to expand on that for a second, how do you, how have you seen LinkedIn change in the last three months versus like the last 12 months? Oh, wow. So I've, I don't know. Has it changed? Is that, so is that a leading question? Am I missing something? So I think what I'm, what I'm leading you to or trying to maybe is what differences you've seen in that time. So, you know, have you found people to be perhaps more active now than they used to be? I know, for example, um, you know, Microsoft bought LinkedIn a little while ago now, but things like video have, you know, since come into play for, for LinkedIn in a really big way now, especially like in 2018, there's, you know, um, you know, people everywhere um, sharing vlogs and, you know, everybody's got, uh, you know, Gary V had D-Rock and so to, to film him every day and create his story every day. And I guess now everybody seems to have their own version of D-Rock recording them and vlogging them and sharing their life. And that has seemed like it's becoming a bigger and bigger part of LinkedIn culture now. So I'm just wondering how you've seen perhaps in that time and it being so sort of instrumental for your side of the business, especially the, the, um, the, the uh, business side, how you've seen that change maybe. Yeah, that's, so now you, you've mentioned that. So retail and logistics is quite a niche mm-hmm. um, and it's not a niche dominated by personalities. Mm-hmm. So in fact, for most people globally, the only personality in e-commerce will be Jeff Bezos. Yep. Um, in Australia, you might have a few people like, um, you No, <laughs> no, no, that wasn't a, um, I'm actually trying to think about if you look at Australian retail personalities, not many, maybe Kobe. Jerry, Jerry Harvey, <sighs> Jerry Harvey, Jerry, uh, Jerry Harvey, who came out a couple of years ago, said e-commerce is the devil. Yes. And we shouldn't be having have e-commerce and e-commerce mm. shouldn't be happening. And now you've got. Harvey Norman's quite active in that That's space. Right. Interesting. Um, I'm trying to think about the, the people who I would consider personalities. There's not very many. I see in my feed, now that you mentioned it, a lot of people who I don't know talking earnestly to the camera um, about <laughs> yeah. stuff that I don't know about. I think there's a, there's a big sort of, which is not nothing new, this sort of this cult of, because I'm on LinkedIn, I must be someone who everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't hurt to be attractive, male or female. Mm-hmm. People, I think, are more likely to engage with your content mm-hmm. then. Uh, and and it's the more earnest you are about that. Well, that's why I'm uh, doing a podcast. So <laughs> we, did, we did say I had a good head for radio earlier. Um, so I've seen that, but it's not our space. And it's not real, really retail space. There's a few people who I do follow, but because they've, of their achievements, not necessarily because they post a lot of video. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, and it's no different to any other platform, there is an echo, you know, mm-hmm. um, our, when we posted the channel seven video, mm-hmm. having said all that, but I wasn't in it very much. When we posted the channel seven video, we got something like 20,000 views and it was the most engaging con- content, but it wasn't because of me. Mm-hmm. I think there was a legitimacy because it started off with the channel seven logo. Yeah. That's so right. What's going on with this? So recognizable brand of channel seven news. Yeah, there's a legitimacy around being on TV. So I think it's like anything. It's your content. You can push out daily content, but if your content's rubbish and you don't have any, not, there's no value in it. There's no authenticity about what you're doing. Yes, it's a little bit difficult. Yes, um, that's a long answer saying I don't do video myself. <laughs> so I haven't. Now you mentioned it, that, that video video has been a big change. Yep. But I, just as a segue, so I deleted LinkedIn from my phone. Because yeah, this is actually really interesting. I'd like you to talk about this. So I'm, my, my side gig to my side gig <laughs> is productivity coaching. Yes. And one of the things you talk about is your attention. You have a limited amount of attention every day. Absolutely. Um, and I realized I found myself itching my phone too often. Mm-hmm. Basically when I should be doing something else like talking to someone, <laughs> I would open up the phone and the, the typical suspects were Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to produce content, but just to consume and just to see if there's anything else going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've deleted Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and news from my phone. I still have my Facebook pages app. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, to produce content and to engage, because we get a message, there's that thing that Facebook has that if you don't respond quickly, yes. they downrate you. Yes, that's right. Um, I think we're about eight minutes at the moment. That's good. Um, so I do respond pretty quickly to Facebook on the, the page. But yeah, but I got rid of LinkedIn off the phone because that echo there's the same thing coming up all the time and they have a really bad algorithm for the news they put at the top of your feed yes it's a terrible algorithm yeah um there's a brilliant company called active pipe 
mm-hmm. uh, which is email CRM, mm-hmm. um, and their MD is one of my investors. Mm-hmm. But that parked at the top, one of his posts parked at the top of my newsfeed for about 24 hours, mm-hmm. but had no engagement. Right, that's from anyone. Yeah, and I don't know why it just kept there. It's like it got jammed and the wheel wouldn't turn. <laughs> so LinkedIn's interesting from a business point of view. It's quite hard to promote. Um, you can't edit posts, for example, that mm-hmm. you've put out, which is really strange because Peter Shearer menswear starts tomorrow in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, com, the LinkedIn post for uh, Parcel has like dropped the .au. It won't hyperlink to the .au. I could edit it in my personal post, but couldn't edit it in the business post. Right. So it's got some work to do, Microsoft. Yeah, that's right. Well, I don't know whoever's running Microsoft now. Lift yeah. your game. <laughs> uh, so the other side would be Facebook um, mm-hmm. I'm really really lucky we've got Beck Campbell who mm-hmm. is a Melbourne University student studying mm-hmm. arts commerce and business arts commerce and marketing yes um, and she is our it's volunteer a good mix. it's a great mix yeah for, for like a so, especially to help with like social and that kind of thing it's very creative well she's also 20 which puts her right in the target <laughs> demographic for a parser which is women mm-hmm. uh, who like to shop and who like to spend time in shopping centers. So she, as a volunteer, keeps posting our Instagram mm-hmm. um, and hashtagging. Mm-hmm. Um, she did some stuff on the launch night. She does our mm-hmm. Facebook. I do some of the Facebook. She does some of the Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been quite valuable. She's good at that engagement sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And what was some advertising or marketing that you did that wasn't as successful as you'd hoped? We did a couple of competitions, mm-hmm. so sign up and make a hundred bucks, which have mm-hmm. pretty much failed. Okay. Um, what do you think you learned from that? I learned that we don't know why people are signing up to Parcel yet, mm-hmm. and we learned that a hundred bucks or fifty bucks doesn't incentivise people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, having said that, we don't know why people sign up to Parcel still. Mm-hmm. Um, the overwhelming response is we thought it was a cool idea. Yep. Which is just. Which is great, and it's really, you know, it's lovely. But I must feel a little bit validating, at least. Well, look, I, 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 maybe. Like all that time ago, you thought it was a cool idea, That's right? That's true, yes, okay. You know, before, before anybody else thought it was a cool idea, you did. Yeah, we talk about the fact that we, we can be wrong about a lot of stuff, but as long as mm-hmm. we're right about the fact that people are happy to do a delivery on the way home for 10 bucks, mm-hmm. we're okay. Yep. And that's, we continue to validate that question. Mm-hmm. Everything else, we just, we keep learning on a mm-hmm. daily basis. Um, so yeah, we learned that people, that the, the cash incentive or that doesn't incentivize people. Mm. We learned though, that people do relate strongly to retail brands mm-hmm. and our most successful non-channel seven marketing. Cause I think mm-hmm. that's a bit of a, that's an outlier. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get a lot of channel seven news coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, our most successful marketing was with evergreen clothing in Mornington mm-hmm. where they announced they were launching with us. They put out an EDM and a hundred people signed up to be passers. Wow. Um, I literally have more people in Mornington than I have in Perth. Um, and Mornington is a town of, I don't know, 30,000 people. There you go. Um, so I learned that we need to partner closely with our brands mm-hmm. uh, and drive that engagement, So, yeah. um, which is what we're about to do in Adelaide tomorrow. And I think there's something to be said for, for that. Um, once again, you, you're talking about perhaps not necessarily knowing why people um, sign up or become passers maybe there's something to be said for that approach that you've previously taken of, you know, asking for that feedback, you know, tell us what you think, you know, we do or, or, you know, the, give us our catchphrase. Maybe there's something to be said for going to social or going to your, um, to your audience and asking them that question. Could you do a poll on Facebook maybe with, you know, a couple of options or, you know, get them to write their own option if it's not available and just drive that feedback often you know that that old tony robbins thing of people like people that are like themselves or how they'd like to be so often in our circles we will know you know if you've got like you know we typically say somewhere between like two and five really close friends most people have but that number's getting smaller all the time and that's because we're finding like with all this connectivity that we have that we're getting closer and closer and we know people more and more all the time so we become more like family than just friends and for that reason we're often very connected and have very similar interests and likes so I wonder if you know going to your audience and asking that question you might find that there is some very thing very common things that people share some some things they like some things they 
um, they're inspired by or excited about, those kind of things, that maybe there's something common there that links everybody. I don't know, but asking the audience might be an opportunity. So, so far, I've decided that, uh, that so far as a result of this um, interview, mm-hmm. I've decided I need to do a video. Mm-hmm. I decided I need to reconnect with my pastors both on mm-hmm. Facebook and via an EDM. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and also I need to ask them why they signed up. And I think I've almost got enough there to do an EDM now. That sounds really exciting. And then yeah. link perhaps to the Facebook video first and then drop that link into the EDM as well so they can see the video. So I only have to do the video once. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make it a live video. Hey. Like so, um, yes. So all those things are going to happen. What's today? Thursday. Thursday. Probably tomorrow. Okay. He says, not really committing to anything. <laughs> Tomorrow morning, I intend on recording the video and then I'll go and run the EDM off that. That's exciting. Yeah, that'll be good. It's a good I'd idea. Be, yeah, I'd be really interested to hear how that goes. Thank you for that. That's, <laughs> the, that's great. Uh, it's just like a counselling session. <laughs> um, what was... I think you've probably talked a little bit about this with... Um, um, already, but maybe some of the most, or what was the most successful marketing that you think you've done? Oh, okay. So remember I said earlier that luck plays a big part? Yes. So we were scratching around the edges for a while and getting a little bit of traction and a little bit of interest and a little bit of people liking us mm-hmm. on Facebook and signing up. Um, and then out of the blue, so out of the blue, I got an email from Gemma Atkin, who mm-hmm. is the National Finance and Business Reporter for Channel 7 News. Mm-hmm. And she wrote and said, listen, I've been researching Amazon. I came across what you're doing and thought it was pretty cool. Would you like to be on the Channel 7 Nightly News? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> says, no, there is no hesitation whatsoever. That's right. Um, and she basically, we spoke a bit more. And as a result of the amount of noise I've made on LinkedIn and self-promotion, and for example, if you, if you Google, and also blogging, mm-hmm. if you Google Uber for couriers, mm-hmm. this second hit on organic uh, in Australia is my article why we are not the Uber for couriers. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things FI, Founder Institute, taught us is you've got to be constantly active and mm-hmm. constantly making that noise. So as a result of all the work we did, this really, really well-respected journalist um, who's worked at Goldman Sachs and Merrill Lynch and CNBC wow. liked it enough what we were doing, pitched it to her news director who said, well, this resonates with our audience, which is, you know, mums. Yeah. Anyway, so we were lucky enough to, to come across that. We were skillful enough to basically put ourselves out there, but then there is a substantial amount of luck in that she found us and then reached out. Mm. So on the April the 15th, which was the night of the closing ceremony for the Commonwealth Games, Channel 7 ran a 90-minute piece about us, which it was a pre-record, so we knew what, mm-hmm. we knew what they'd recorded. We didn't know what they were going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did that in conjunction with our, one of our first customers, Pure Baby, mm-hmm. where, again, we were lucky enough to get the founder of Pure Baby um, Mirabai, who was just you know this uh, fantastic self-starting business person who's now got this multi-million dollar business that does baby organic baby stuff mm-hmm. and everyone loves what she does mm-hmm. so we had that and channel seven and everything sort of came together we had the launch event here that was the single most successful thing mm-hmm. um and probably not repeatable in australia <laughs> um so you know that's that means you learn something and you use that. But then obviously we've reused that content a lot. Yeah. Uh, and a very wise person told me that you, on your company page, you could put video. Mm. Brett, <laughs> thank you for that. So our, when you go to uh, parcel on Facebook, mm-hmm. which I believe if you just search P-A-S-S-E-L, mm-hmm. people will find us. Um, the very first thing you see is the Channel 7 video running. That's true. Um, and again, it's the legitimacy of it being Channel 7, of it not just being some middle-aged guy talking about us. Yeah. But, you know, it's um, yeah, this journalist and the people of Pure Baby talking, it's come really well. That's awesome. And what has been the most valuable free tool that you've used either to promote or create for Parcel? The most valuable free tool? Yeah. The, that's a really good question. The most valuable free tool is other people. And I know oh. people are not a tool, and I don't want it to sound like that. The most valuable free resource is the fact that people who know what they're doing and know more than we do mm-hmm. have been really, really willing to help out. Um, we had, like with the app, we had two guys volunteer to help out with the coding. Mm-hmm. With marketing, I've had people like you, you know, give me advice that I really should be paying for, but can't afford to. <laughs> um, so, and even being in the co-working space in the Frankston Foundry, 
Um, there's people around who constantly are willing to give help. Mm-hmm. Um, in Melbourne, we've got Startup Victoria, which is a not-for-profit yep. startup support network. Yeah. Bucket loads of stuff. Amazing amount of content that they produce, meetups, lunches, whatever else. Their pitch nights are incredible. Their pitch night? Well, I was, we pitched at the Retail Tech pitch night in front of 600 people um, yeah. about 12 months ago, including the, the then CEO of Australia Post. <laughs> Um, again, Didn't you have a, a shot at them on that night? I, well, <laughs> you know the graph that all the startups do where they say that we're amazing and everyone else is crap? Yep. He was basically, I put Australia Post in the cheap and slow <laughs> corner of the graph. <laughs> But, which they are, and you know, you couldn't argue with it. He didn't pick me up on it, and you know, you, you can't argue with it. And it call a spade a spade. Australia Post yep. are cheap but slow. Yep. Um, and that's the, that's the nature of their business model. That's okay. Mm. Um, and you know, some people don't want to pay fifteen dollars for a delivery. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's Thursday afternoon or Thursday morning. We're recording this. If I don't need something until the next next weekend, sometime in July, mm. I'll order it with, and get Australia Post to deliver it for free. Yep. But if I've forgotten my wedding anniversary which I did, or Valentine's Day, which I did, and mm-hmm. I need something delivered in a hurry because this is relationship stakes, yep. I'll pay 15 bucks to get it delivered. Yep. Um, you know, if it's cold and a person realises they don't have a jacket to wear that night and they can't get to the shop of their choice, mm-hmm. but it's a $100 jacket and they're prepared to pay an extra 15 bucks for delivery, it's almost a no-brainer. Yeah, to me that feels like one of the... Um, and it has kind of always, as long as I've known about Parcel, the, the idea of somebody perhaps who's you know maybe they're getting ready for going out or they you know they're putting the clothes together and they realize something that they really wanted to wear that night has got a stain on it or it's just unwearable um or you know there's a hole in the bottom of their shoe or something like that um when they go to wear them um the idea that you can go online order it and then jump in the shower start getting ready and by the time you're sort of dressed or you know ready to walk out the door what you want to um, finish your outfit with has arrived and then be able to walk out the door wearing it like that's that's a really exciting idea to me and um, I, I just yeah well pitched I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about that's exactly well exactly what we are um, I'm thinking about other free resources in Victoria again there's launch Vic, which is the yes. government sort of um, startup um, thing. we actually won five thousand dollars from launch Vic by just answering a survey so that was quite handy because we we expect to be going to Ireland sometime very soon, and that money is essentially put aside for international travel and expansion. Mm. Um, so the free tool is, I know people are really willing to talk, mm. and it's not a reciprocal arrangement with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So there's very few people who can stand up and say the only reason I've succeeded is through my own efforts. Mm-hmm. Most people will acknowledge that they were helped along the way by a mentor, a friend, advisors, and whatever else. Yes, and so there's this sort of pay it forward mentality. Um, which is quite strong in startups, I think, globally, but particularly in Australia, mm-hmm. where people are prepared to sit down with you for coffee. And some of the people I've spoken with, I have no right to speak with. Like Rachel Kelly, who's um, former CEO of T2, former board member of Just Group, mm-hmm. she gave me an hour for coffee. And I'm like, I don't have the right. I didn't have the right. This is pre-launch to talk to her. But she was really generous and gave me that time. Yep. Um, so, um, and hopefully in the future, I can also pay it forward. Exactly. I was just about to say, I'm sure you'll get the opportunity to return that favour to somebody else. Well, that's, that's the plan. And I think that's how it works. So I think the most important resource for, that I've been able to tap into is just other people. And I would, I would say that right now, just by being part of this podcast, there's a chance you're doing that for somebody right now anyway. So it might not be, it might not have to be when Parcel's delivering in 37 countries, you might already be doing that. Right now, as somebody's listening, well, so that's like exciting. It's just been good for me because even like in this conference, we've already realised that there's some stuff I've let slip, and it's not because I'm lazy; it's just because stuff let me let slip. So, as I said, the video, ask why you start up, do the EDM, mm. Facebook Live, that stuff that we're going to do. So it's been even this has been like really beneficial, and this me talking to you is a free resource. It is. That's true. That's true. This podcast is a free resource. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, so, I'm, what's I'm, the next big thing for Parcel? Okay, so we launch in Adelaide tomorrow, which gives us Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide, Geelong, Bornington Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Um, the next big thing for us is we've got a couple of decent-sized customers starting in Sydney mm-hmm. uh, very soon, including the Party People, which is Australia's largest um, online store for party supplies. Um, that's sort of like a next step. So we've got two customers in April, five customers in May, ten customers in June. So you can see there is a progression mm-hmm. there. Um, the next thing for us is we are talking very earnestly with a major 
uh, I don't want to say what industry they're in, a store with 135 stores around Australia. Okay. Uh, and if I crack that, that's potentially 400 to 500 deliveries a day, which essentially takes us from the, this is a sort of probably a good idea, into major player stakes. Yep. Um, and then we'll grow from there. Um, I'm happy to put it out there because we might be unsuccessful, but we've actually submitted a tender for Dublin and Belfast for a last mile project. Um, and if we get that, we're on the next plane, um, we're over there. Um, so that could be the next big thing. Yep. Uh, this company with 135 stores could be the next big thing. Yeah. Could next next big thing could be sitting in my inbox right now. I don't know. Yeah. Could um, have happened while we're talking. Yes. That's that's uh, from an interviewer's perspective. It's really exciting to to listen to you talk about um, having more than one potential next big thing. And I can only imagine that when you take a breath at some point and allow that to sink in, that must be really exciting for you to, to think about as well. Isn't the difference between excitement and terror a smile? <laughs> so essentially, look, our growth strategy from here is major retail in Australia, land a, land a major retail, land a um, five to 10 retailers in the US, UK and Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the two big things that we're, fo- that we're keenly focused on. So I need one of those two things to drop for us to take the next step. But the, the progression is not linear. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who know me know that I thought I'd be doing 50,000 deliveries a month mm-hmm. by now. And we're not. We'll do 50 in May. Or we did 50 in May. Um, so 50, like mm-hmm. five zero, not five zero with more zeros. That's all we did. <laughs> um, so we, we don't know where it's going to come from. We have a strategy. We're implementing. We're, you know, we're active on the strategy. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what happens. So if you'd like to learn more about Parcel, um, people should head to uh, facebook.com or fb.com slash parcel delivery, which is P-A-S-S-E-L and delivery, uh, or parcel.com.au, which is P-A-S-S-E-L.com.au. And they can find out more about Parcel or um, sign up to become a Parcel, especially if you're in Ireland. And what I'd like to do um, is close the show with, with a, a really great quote relating to, to advertising or marketing in some way. And this one comes courtesy of, uh, of a fantastic uh, person in Mark Twain. And he said, many a small thing has been made large by the right kind of advertising. And I sincerely hope that's the case with Parcel. Marshall, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Until next time, keep growing.